Hello, Sam. Simon, thank God we're talking because I need a distraction from doom refreshing the internet uh, to check the American election results. <laughs> wow, what's going on, Sam? Uh, okay, so there's there's this ridiculous reality show called the US election, and it's terrible, mm-hmm. and I'm way over-invested in it. <laughs> I've heard of it. In fact, um, we made a conversation on the internet at the outset of the last American elections. No way. In 2016. <laughs> and we haven't had a whole hell of a lot of conversations on the internet since then. How do you even remember these things? That's amazing. That's that's four years I, ago. Who even were we four years I ago? I listen to our podcasts all the time. Cute. I go back and I and I... And I I keep you accountable for the things you were saying and thinking five years ago. Oh, that's my why. God. That's frightening. This is the big downside <laughs> of being friends with someone for a very long time is, one, they remember all of your bad exes. <laughs> Two, they remember they can hold you accountable to younger you. That's terrible. It's a terrible thing. I only remember one or two bad exes. Um, <laughs> Sammy, I, um, I don't know why I remember this, but mm. I... I do recall us finding out that a sentient Nachi was going to be running the solar system for four years in 2016, which was quite seminal. Oof. So I think it's like stuck a little bookmark in my brain when fair. we had this conversation. Yeah, that's you were not fair. You were not happy, as I recall. <laughs> really? What a surprise. Mm. <laughs> I'm such a fan. Mm. Oh, man. Uh, so what should and we talk about? Forward and here we are. What should we talk about instead of the terrible reality show? Well, I just don't know, Sam. <laughs> hey, you know, um, why don't we talk about? Because I was thinking today, mm. I was thinking I'm going to talk to Sam, mm-hmm. and we. I don't know that we've ever really talked about money. That's you weird. And I. That's weird. We both have written books about money. That seems very well, surprising. I mean, I wrote a pamphlet about magical internet money. You actually wrote a book about money. <laughs> a useful one. I'm just surprised that we've never, I mean, I know we've had a lot of conversations about money. I'm surprised we've never had one that's ended up on the internet. That's surprising. Yeah, because hacking hacking money is like actually the ultimate optimization of things in one's life in the future that we live in. Well, it's all very connected to hacking all of one's resources, right? Like it's very mm. connected to questions about how you utilize your time efficiently. In fact, I think that all questions about money really are could be reframed as just questions about how you use your time. Yeah. Yeah, because time is money, right? Literally. <laughs> but also like time is the only truly limited resource in your life. The only one that matters, right? The only thing yeah, that matters is that, that you're going to you're going to yeah. die. You're going to die and you have a limited number of hours on this planet. I think everything I know, needs so to be optimized I'm, around that. No? I think I'm the one person who's not going to die. It's very possible. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I've seen you drink a lot of chili mampur and not die. Mm-hmm. So, if that's the case. <laughs> I think it's always now and it's always this moment and it always will be. And I'm the sense of the universe. Sam, the reason I was thinking about money is because I asked you for money advice earlier today and uh-huh. you reminded me how super smart you are. 
at hacking finance. Do you know the thing? Optimizing time. And, mm-hmm. That's very sweet. But I feel like the only reason that I know some stuff about money is purely because I've, it's a thing I've been vaguely obsessed with for a long time. And I've been obsessed with it because I spent the first two and a half decades of my life terrified of it. So, yeah, that's. I mean, these are all the same reasons that Hulk Hogan is, you know, good at wrestling. What's your point? Do you think Hulk Hogan became good at wrestling <laughs> because he was terrified of wrestlers? That'd be great. Like, he just had this weird phobia. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I don't know that I have, like, a unified theory of finances, though. Do you think you have one? Like, what is the, the huh? kind of your core idea? Your book would suggest idea? that you might. <laughs> I don't know. I sometimes feel like my book was just a collection of, of particular, like, practical things but i don't know that i have a unified philosophy do you have like a like a um, core belief about money somewhere probably not a useful one i think it's one of those things that it's a little bit like food i think we all know what we're supposed to do but actually doing it is hard yeah um you know it's um we all know we should spend less than we earn mm. and put some away for later mm-hmm. um and knowing that is one thing, doing it is another, just like knowing that you shouldn't stick every donut you see in your face is one thing, and actually resisting the temptation to stick donuts in your face is an entirely other one. Um, yeah, and it's a place where I think, knowledge doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. help you, right? It's a, it's very similar to becoming a marathon runner, I think. Like, it, if you want to mm-hmm. learn how to run a marathon, reading a book about the physics of how muscles work or you know, a skeletal theory isn't very helpful at all. Yeah, but I think there are a lot of counterintuitive things that people can do that don't directly mean money. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you think about it, make a lot of sense in terms of money, like, you know, living closer to work and not commuting. It turns out that saves you shit tons of money. And makes you Um, so much happier. Yeah, like in fact, I can't remember the numbers, but if 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 you could take a twenty percent pay cut and get a job where it took you ten minutes to get to work instead of an hour, mm. and then you assume that you will have that job for five years, it's an absolute no brainer that you should take the pay cut and take the job that pays less and live closer. But I guess, I guess thinking about this to, I mean, thinking about the advice in your book as opposed to the kind of stuff that you'll hear from finance gurus that, you know, we're used to hearing about because they're all over the TV that comes from America is unlike food, we don't all have like this environment to wash with money (laughs) (laughs) that we need to, that we need to control our behavior around. Mm. I think a lot of time gets spent talking about strategies for what to do with your money in a world where the real problem most people have is that they just don't have enough of the stuff. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and mean- I guess one of the things that engaging with your work makes me think about a lot is I also think there's a massive swath of humanity for which that isn't entirely true. It just feels true. Hmm. It feels like the problem is I don't have enough money when actually you don't need to um, be very far over the line 
of what's actually enough if you're doing the right things with your money. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Especially, yeah, it, this stuff really break, like melts my brain and I, I, I flip-flop a lot around this. I, I think the older I've gotten, the more I've struggled to disentangle the personal from the systemic with these things. Like <laughs> I was saying to someone yesterday, I was like, I feel like I'm a, I'm a socialist in a, in the streets and a libertarian in the sheets. <laughs> it's like, I feel You're like a social libertarian. No, but like, I feel, I feel like there's something problematic about giving financial advice to individuals because it does mm-hmm. play into the idea that this is your responsibility and you know here's a bunch of things that you can do as a as an individual person to better your situation but the you know the the reality is that like 95% of your economic outcomes are determined by the 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 you know the fate, your fate basically like how you happened to be born um the opportunities you happen to have up until now, you know, whether you have any money to manage anyway. Um, Hmm. And the thing is that simultaneously, as an individual, I feel like I I believe that to be true, but I also find that to be unhelpful. So I find it helpful for me as an individual to imagine that I have an enormous amount of personal power over my, the outcomes of my life and to try to find hacks and tricks for myself as an individual um, but I, you know, I, I can simultaneously look at the system and be like, the system is shit. And should I rather spend all of my energy fixing the system? Um, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult balance to balance to hold socialism mm. in the streets, libertarianism in the sheets. <laughs> well, and I mean, I suppose it's also, as you're alluding to the fact that it's so hyper personal in terms of values and. You know, like, for example, it it makes sense to say nobody should own a car worth more than X amount of money because, like, yeah. hands down, a car is the worst thing you can put money into, right? It's a bonfire. Except <laughs> unless you're a person who really values cars. Yep. Or you're an NASCAR racer. Yep. Or <laughs> and, and it turns out there are, there are not many of them, but there are one or two brands of cars that actually don't depreciate yep. and are actually good investments if you look after them. So even something that sounds like really straightforward blanket advice can't possibly apply to everybody. And I think that's the problem with a lot of, um, I I think Mm. you and I are both in the position for different reasons. You, because you wrote a book that makes sense. And me, because for some bizarre reason, I build technology in the financial (laughs) space. But people assume to ask us for advice, which I always find amusing when it happens to me (laughs) and entirely unsurprising when it happens to you. But um, it's so difficult to do because, yeah. because what do you tell people? And so what it really becomes very quickly for me anyway is a discussion around, well, what are the things that you value? Mm. And the interesting thing is it doesn't matter what your interests are. There's a way to make money about it mm. like, like, or through it. Like, you know, if you really do like cars, well, if you buy a, a classic Porsche 911 Turbo, you will A, have fun driving it and B, it might actually turn into a really good investment, you know? Yeah, damn straight. And or you're- if you're... Mm-hmm. And and that person is also likely to happily invest the amount of time that they would need to invest to know that that is a car that is likely to be a good investment, you know? 
Absolutely. And if you really care about something, you have knowledge about it and almost any, um, you know, domain specific knowledge can be turned into money. Like if yep. you really like movies, you could probably make investments into Disney and I don't know what other companies are, you know, listed <laughs> in the entertainment space, but you'd probably have an insight like, hey, Disney's buying Marvel. This shows how old I am because that happened a really long time ago. But, you know, I know that that's probably going to be good. So I could buy Disney mm. stock. So you don't need to know much about the stock market. You just need to know that, you know, buying Marvel might make the price of Disney go up. And now you can invest in the entertainment space. Although what I like about um, the advice in your book is that I think you've come up with a pretty good strategy for people to not have to care about anything and have a pretty good way of investing that works no matter who you are really. I don't think that those things contradict each other necessarily. Like, I think the one thing about, you know, selecting shares because you you like something about that industry is I think it's worth testing that theory for most people because, you know, the stats show that people just think they are much better at predicting the stock market than we are. Like, we're just really bad at mm -hmm. it. Even people whose job it is to do it are very bad at doing so. Um but I, there is, there is a, there is a thing where something can become your job, and there's a, there's a difference between passive income and active income, right? Like, there's lazy money you earn in a lazy way, and money you earn because you are willing to sweat for that thing and make it your obsession. Um, and like people often want to talk to me about uh, property as an investment, and I think that this is a, a thing that people get confused in their heads. I think everyone wants to invest in property because it's very tangible and people understand it or they feel like they understand it. Um, they, they, they can look at a house and be like, this is a nice house. I know that it's a nice house. I have a way to evaluate it as a nice house. Um, and the thing is like, firstly, that often doesn't translate into understanding the property market. Um, it's a, it's a different field of expertise. It's a different area of knowledge. Mm. Uh, the other thing is, though, you know, there are people who make really good money buying and selling investment properties. And those are people who have made it their job. That's the thing that they obsess about and focus on. Um, and that's fine. But that's very different to kind of casually feeling like you can have a good outcome by just, you know, putting some money into this thing, because it seems like a good idea. I, yeah. I, and mm. I think that we all need a balance between earning money in lazy ways and earning money in obsessive ways. Like, I think it's really sad to not have any obsessions in your life. Um, and some people are able to turn their obsessions into ways to make good money. Not, you know, I happen to fall in love with writing uh, stupid horror things, which so far has been not very lucrative in my life. <laughs> and I've had to find other ways to support that habit, you know, um, yeah, and I think we, mm. but it, it comes back to this thing that you were saying though of how thinking about money is is thinking about how do you spend your time, like it, 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 it about optimizing all of your resources. And I think often thinking about how you earn money is a bigger piece of that puzzle than thinking about how to spend it. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And the truth is is usually counterintuitive. Yeah. You know, like yeah. our example of uh, taking a job that pays less but puts you closer to work, for example. Yeah. But I mean, you know, to go back to 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 my previous point, there there are some things that, you know, like I've heard you say to a few people, if you're thinking about where to invest first, like just buy a global tracker fund. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm wondering because 
I, I, I'm finding like, in my view of the world, we are dealing with a very different kind of environment than we were even mm-hmm. five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, until five years ago, oil was a sure bet. Like for the last 200 years, I think people have been mining oil and it's been a pretty good bet. Like if you buy the stuff, it's probably going to go up in price. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that the world economy runs on. And like now it's worthless garbage that nobody would dream of buying. Um, and and so I wonder if the stock market, which if you look at any of the di- data, is the best place for you to have put your money over the last 200 years mm-hmm. or since as long as we've had stock markets, basically. Like that's always been true in an in environment in which the dollar was the world's reserve currency, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, from the 1920s onward. Um and we're moving into a world now where it's uncertain whether or not the dollar will be the world reserve currency or whether or not America will even be a country a week from now. Oh, my God. Here's me re- um, refreshing 538 again. Ah! <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'm I'm – because your book came out like I want to say three years ago. Is that right? I don't fucking Two, know. three. <laughs> Around well, then. it should. I don't know. Um <laughs> I'm wondering what's changed in the way that you think about giving people, not blanket advice, but the stuff that like, you know, was super true three years ago, if you've changed your mind about any of it. Not at all when it comes to the fact that a global Mm. ETF is the best place for most people to put their money. Um, You know, I think what's beautiful about a a true global tracker is that it's it's really self-healing. So say, for example, the US dollar does collapse. That's okay, because a year later, what it will mean is that the composition of your ETF will then be less based on the US economy. You know, it, it like right. it's the index, which means that if Japan becomes a you know really dominant stock market, then that will end up being a bigger mm. piece of where your money is invested. You know, similarly, if mm. all the oil companies fail as, you know, Cross, cross fingers they should soon, they will fall out of the index, the indices. Um, and the companies right. that are doing well, the companies of the future, they are in the indices. Um, and they, so what I, what I love about the, the kind of type of product, uh, you know, those, those really, really simple, really diversified trackers is that you're not making any kind of bet on the future. You're not having to. Um, the winner's will you know the the the, in, the the losers will fall out of the index by themselves so it's self-healing right. you know like if you were holding the top 40 index in south africa the 40 biggest companies when steinhoff failed um steinhoff fell out of the index and then you were no longer holding steinhoff a few months later so you would have mm. lost some money in that process for sure but it would have been a very very tiny piece of you know, the basket Mm. you're holding. And that's the other thing is that you're, you know, you're splitting your risk across a number of different things. Um, And basically what you're betting on is that businesses are the way primarily that value is created in our society today. Um, Mm. And, you know, what those businesses are doing will change. But the fundamental idea that businesses create value, that's what you're that's what you're betting on. You're not betting on oils right. particularly. And you know, there are there are indices. Like I personally have started moving more of my money into ethical funds, which specifically exclude fossil fuel companies. And that's because I do mm. think that there is this unaccounted for thing. Um, in the stock market right now, but also because, you know, I, I want to try and accelerate that. So I do it for ethical reasons, not just for uh, 
smart reasons. But I do believe that the the regular vanilla trackers will catch up, right? When the oil mm, price does mm. eventually collapse, those companies will fall out of the index anyway. Um, or, you know, companies like Shell who are trying to pivot themselves to being renewable energy companies, bastards. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I, what I like about the product is they're self-healing. So yeah, I haven't changed my mind on that. I might have changed my mind on other things. <laughs> Although the trackers themselves do tend to be companies. So you're also betting on the fact that they'll still be around and able to move money out of one economy into another. Sure. But give us names, Beck Bessinger. What ethical funds? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It depends where you are. Like um, in the UK, Vanguard has some good ones. In South Africa, well, Vanguard's pretty much available everywhere, right? Uh, the the that the specific Vanguard ethical funds I invest in are currently not available in South Africa, which is irritating. Yeah, well, excuse me. Yeah, it's very irritating. But Satrix has just launched one called the MSCI World Tracker, which I I really mm. like, and I like Satrix. Yeah, and there's also some cool things. I wrote about this on my blog last week, so I'm sure you know this because you read my newsletter because you're a good a good friend, Simon. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, you know the cool thing about I pay for your goddamn newsletter because uh, it's that fucking good, I love and I don't you. do it because you're my friend. <laughs> I do it because your writing is phenomenal and because it's one of the favorite things that arrives in my inbox on a regular basis. Oh man, I am not a newsletter fan. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I know we live in the era of newsletters, but I literally have two that I pay attention <laughs> to, and one of them is yours. What's the other one? <laughs> I like. This is gonna sound. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I like Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Friday. Yeah, like, I, I really like enjoy it too. It. I like it too. I, I also read it. I, he finds such good links, and he finds such good people yeah. to talk to. Yeah. It's it's a little bit hit or miss, but like there'll always be a good quote, you know. There'll yeah. always be like one thing that I was like, nah, you know, this is an interesting product that he's making referral money for on Amazon. <laughs> I do find it curious how hard Mr. Ferris works to make money in incremental ways when he's clearly loaded. But anyway, no, right? That aside, he's like literally <laughs> the guy behind the four-hour work week. <laughs> Dude will shill you Woo! a tin of sardines on Amazon no. for fifty cents. He's really doing the hustle. It, it, the mind boggles, but we do love him. So, so yeah, that that and yours. And uh, actually, I suppose Benedict Evans's newsletter. So let's make it three. Mm. Um, I don't read it every week because sometimes I'm just like, you know what? There's too much going on in the world. It's all on fire, and I don't care what you know you think about Microsoft's latest product. But in general, he's he's a he's a smart dude um, with lots of interesting things to point out. So mm -hmm. uh, I might be missing out in the world of of newsletters. I just feel like. Newsletters are like assholes and podcasts. Everybody has one now, and I don't really care about yours. Yeah, but I not mean, yours, Sam. I care about yours or ours. Our theirs. podcasts we're currently <laughs> making right this very second. I mean, like talk about you know failure to turn your one's work into income, right? Like, who has mm. figured out the newsletter business model? Not I. <laughs> like, I don't know that that's true. I think it's it's like so many online thingies um you think because it's online it takes off overnight but it turns out it's like any other business it takes a long time to build a following yeah build up a subscribe i mean i don't know what your subscriber base looks like i know i'm i know i'm <laughs> it's um, just you simon uh, i just write them just for you <laughs> but you're you're making good content that i am happy to pay for and and again i am biased but i i also think that looking at it objectively even if I, you know, didn't know you personally, I would still have have done so had I come across your glorious newsletter. Um, and I'm I'm very big on the idea that if you're 
pressing one person who thinks it's worth paying for your stuff, there are at least another million people like them in the world. <laughs> mm. um, and it's just about finding them, right? Like, I'm a pretty weird asshole, but there's probably <laughs> at least another 100,000 of me. Like, I'm not that special, you know? <laughs> they they are probably a sizable group of people who would be willing to pay for the same things I'm willing to pay to read on a weekly basis. And then, and then the only question is, okay, well, you know, how do I find them? Mm -hmm. And the only real answer I have to that question is time, right? Like Mm -hmm. keep doing what you're doing with the awesome content that people are willing to pay for. um, And eventually they'll find you unless you have some marketing hack, some growth hack to find them. Simon, so I have a question for you. So you and I have uh-huh. been friends for a very long time and we've been podcasting for more than four, true, true. four years, as, you, as you've just pointed out. Way more. More like eight. <laughs> what are the main things, ways that you've changed your mind about how you think about earning money over the last like oh, wow. 10 years? I don't know that I have changed my mind, really. What is um, your theory of earning money? I have been repeatedly awarded for being contrarian and for doing what I want and not what society is suggesting very strongly that I should do. Mm. Um, and that that's not a special skill. That's not, you know, something that I've, I've had to work hard on. That's just who I am. Mm. I've had or I've skirted two or three corporate jobs where mm. I've ended up, again... <laughs> None of my doing really, but I've ended up in an environment where people have wanted me to dress a certain way and show up at a place so that somebody else can tell me what to do for eight hours every day. Mm. And without exception, those environments have repelled me. Like we are we are magnetically polarized against each other. I cannot physically be there. Um, and so I've just always found it untenable and then done other things that are more fulfilling and where... Um, my problem with authority isn't accentuated. Mm. Um, And I've always been rewarded for that. And so I think I've been incredibly lucky and incredibly privileged. Um, And I certainly wouldn't go so far as telling other people to do whatever they want and like (laughs) resist working for um, massive corporate structures. Um, But, but I've just, I feel like it's, it's just always been that way. And I don't know how to be anything else because I am fundamentally lazy Mm -hmm. and I cannot micromanage and I have a problem with authority. And so, you know, again, it's not some, some, some big ambition I had to work this way. I just can't work any other way because, you know, you're not going to work with authority for very long if you have a problem with it. Um, So I haven't answered your question at all. But okay, but, <laughs> but what would but what would your answer? No, 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 be? But there's something there's something in what you're saying which is connected to you know where where we started with this conversation of like for me one of the most important things that any person can do when it comes to their finances is really sit with themselves and figure out what they value because it's very very easy if you never do that to blink and end up feeling like you don't have choices but realize that you've actually just wasted an enormous amount of time and money on things that you don't actually care about, but they were just Mm. the things that were presented to you. So, you know, I think you figured out that you value independence and freedom more than a big monthly salary. Like you've literally put that to the test. Like you've made those decisions where people have offered you a big monthly salary and you've said, nah, because this other stuff rather. And I think that's cool. And 
I think it's fine. You know, people who do choose the big monthly paycheck, that's also entirely cool. People who choose, you know, the fancy car or whatever it is, as long as those are really sincerely the things that you do want. I think that the the universally, the thing that I am morally opposed to is waste and wastefulness. Like, I hate mm. it when people end up spending money on things or time that make them miserable and then turn around and then say, why am I so miserable? Where did it all go? That's, that's, that's mm. the enemy, I think. And the only, the only, uh, you know, way to fight that <laughs> is to do a lot of self-reflection. So maybe the yeah. best personal finance advice is to spend some time meditating. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's science, right? Because we, we, we know that adding things into a individual's environment is highly unlikely to make them happy and will never make them as happy as removing negative things from the environment. Exactly. So most of the things that you assume to add to your life, like products you're going to buy or whatever, mm. those turn out to be farcical in how positive they are for you. Yeah. Um, usually it's just something else to worry about. It's a new toy that can now break or be lost. Mm -hmm. Whereas removing negatives from your life, like, you know, I don't know, your fridge is broken mm. and it's a pain in the ass having to, you know, I don't know, deal with it. Getting a new fridge in that case makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. Whereas buying a luxury item you don't already have, don't have an obvious need for, just have a want for, mm. the, the research shows that that item is more likely to introduce a new unhappiness. A, because you're going to buy it and five minutes later realize that it's not making you happy, mm. that it's not scratching a ginormous itch that you had mm -hmm. um, and then in the future at some point you're going to have to think about moving it to another house the fact that it's broken and you now need to claim it from insurance or there will be some sense of loss for this thing that yeah. you didn't need until five minutes ago it's actually going to make you unhappier getting this new thing mm. um, and and I think that that goes for stuff it goes for people it goes for how you spend mm. hours in the day as well I think we all think about what we need to add and what more we need mm. when the real question is what do I need less of and how do I achieve that? Like less time in the car, mm. less time being shouted at by a douchebag yep. um, and, and, and having constraints around those things I think is, mm -hmm. is useful too. Because there's the, the, so, big, the big natural constraint of, again, one day you're going to die. <laughs> Yes, let's focus on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Simon, I think that's yeah. really freaking wise, actually. Um, yeah. Yes. I just, I, I, I guess it is. I mean, <laughs> the, I think the other thing I was thinking about just, you know, with your question in my mind is it's not always obvious that things are working, mm. but it's always obvious to me anyway, that they feel right. Yeah. And so I think this year has been a case in point where a lot of the things I have been doing on the surface haven't been working. Mm. Um, like it's been, it's been a rough goddamn year in which, you know, stopping all of the stupid shit and going and getting a corporate job would probably make the most sense on paper. Mm. But that just feels wrong. And hacking away at these things that don't feel like they're working feels right. And in my very limited experience, every time I've chosen to do the things that feel right and persevere, 
they have found a way of working eventually. Might not be today, might not be in the way that you expected. In fact, it almost never is. Mm. But there's this mysterious thing that happens eventually where it feels like the universe is going, hey, well done for sticking with this writing thing, Sam. I know it felt for a very long time like you weren't getting anywhere, but ba-boom, turns out you were. <laughs> um, and that's that kind of satisfaction for having persevered is something I, if I had to pick an experience everybody should have, I don't know of much in the realm of human experience, yeah. certainly outside of, you know, having children and, and, and the, the ultimately fulfilling things that we do um, that tops that. Mm. Just knowing that you are right, getting validation, going, hey, Sam, the whole world was telling you you were wrong and you shouldn't be doing this thing. And you did it anyway, even though you were demonstrably wrong for <laughs> a time. But guess what? You were actually right and fuck them and he has a little reward. Nothing beats that. It's kind of the idea of choosing your suffering, right? Like your whatever type of work you do or whatever type of life you choose to live is gonna it's gonna include some some suffering in it somewhere. Um mm -hmm. and some some form of struggle. And there's a joy in knowing that you can choose one that is in a way meaningful to you or enjoyable to you. Like it might be that, you know, choosing a form of suffering in the way of fighting for a cause that really means something to you, even though that will mean feeling the pain of the world being gross today, you know, that's, that might mm. be a form of suffering. For me, it's like writing is really, really fucking hard, but it's the form of suffering that I am in love with, you know, whatever right. it is. You choose your pain. You got to choose your pain. Because nothing comes without some form of it. Yeah, and you can't control the outcome. You can't control whether eventually the universe turns around and is like, cool, well done, well done for, for suffering. For some people, it never works out. Um, yeah. But you can, you have a right to the work, not to its outcome. And that's, qu that's quite cool. But also, I guess part of what you're saying is that the work isn't always the work. Like when you choose to focus on writing um, or writing stories, like telling stories isn't actually what you're spending your time doing. Yeah. What you're spending your time doing is sitting in front of a keyboard and bleeding onto a goddamn empty page that frightens the shit out of you. I'm not speaking for you. This is what writing feels like. To you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for and me, like, like opening pan lexicon, <laughs> like looking yeah. up, looking up synonyms. <laughs> But when you're 12 years old going, hey, I think I want to be a pilot. That looks cool. Yeah. Like that's not really what you're choosing. What you're choosing is to spend many grueling hours learning maths and science, having somebody shout at you, um, you know. Exactly. <laughs> sit, yeah. sit, sit in, sit in a, a constrained space for 18 hours while a plane flies itself and you wear an uncomfortable uniform. That's the pain you're choosing. Um, and it's the pain that comes with the awesome things about you know like, staring out at the horizon through the window of a 747 cockpit like i've been surprised to watch how much you've turned out to love the admin of running companies but i think that's part of you know you've chosen your pain like it's fucking bizarre it's what it it's is it's so weird how good you are at that shit <laughs> it's like i'm not no. So no, no, no 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 to me. no 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 <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I don't hate it. However, that is very different from being good at it. But I mean, you know, to your point, like when you think, okay, cool, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a startup founder. That's not what you imagine. But it turns out that that is the pain that you're signing up for. 
You know, if you if you want to yeah. be a world famous musician, the pain that you're signing up for is the pain of really fucking sucking at playing the guitar for a very long time. Um, and being super worried about what people are saying about you on Instagram. Exactly. Exactly. I, I just like <laughs> to come back to the fact that you actually have a lot of choices in your life. Um, and therefore you have responsibility to make those choices thoughtfully. And maybe Whether that's it's where you stick your money or more importantly, what you do with your days. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> you tell me about something you love. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I was going to ask you the same question. Um, I, two things. Okay. One, I know that I'm only like, did I, wait, I might've spoken about this the last time we chatted. I know that I'm only like 10 years late on this, but you know what I've recently discovered is geo, geocaching. <laughs> what? So, that's the sort of thing. Dude. I don't know how I only just arrived on this train, but it turns out to be the perfect lockdown activity because you install this little app on your phone and it's a treasure hunt and you do it outside by yourself and it's so fun. Right. I guess I was I was very um, superficially thinking that you couldn't do geocaching because you had to stay at home. But right. I guess most of the geocaches are out in nature somewhere that you can actually go. Exactly. So, you know, I found one the other day in the little field across the road from my house because I live in a weird village. Um, and it was so fun. It was sort of like trudging through the cow poop looking for the little the little notes. I got way overexcited. Um, and now I'm just obsessed with finding geocaches. So if you, like me, are stuck in a place that's back in lockdown, geocaching, may I suggest it? It's wonderful. Well, how does one get started? So what, what is the app that you download? What is the thing that you do? So it's very stupidly called geocaching or geocache. I can't remember exactly which variant. Um, uh-huh. th- and you just download the app. It's free. Um, and then it'll show you a map of your area where there are geocaches. And then it'll give you little riddles. And then you go and to find treasure. It's a treasure hunt, except the treasure is just finding finding the thing. That's The treasure is, is mm. the pain. It's the pain you're choosing. Um, the treasure is the treasure hunt. Uh, yes, and you can pay for upgraded riddles and stuff, but there's quite a lot on just the free version. Mm. Highly recommend. And are you doing the go and find something and then put it back or go and find something and then take it and leave something else? Uh, the former so far, but I have started scheming up some little geocache ideas of my own that Ooh. would be – I thought it would be really fun to – I'll just – I'll just tell you to uh, do a a dad's joke geocache. So get a whole bunch of blank in like little cards, like business card shaped size business cards, and then ask everyone to write their silliest kid friendly dad joke on one of these cards and leave it in the box. So when you find the box, you can also just find a bunch of dad jokes. <laughs> I love that. I think it'd be super cute. What about what about um, unintentional geocaching, like leaving treasures in places where people can't help but find them, and then it'll confound them. Like what? Like maybe you, like like like, like maybe you have a D twenty hanging from a tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Things that people will find and go, huh, what the ah. fuck is going on here? <laughs> so Cambridge has so much of this shit already. There are these little <laughs> tiny doors all around town, like the size big yeah. enough for a mouse, <laughs> and they're just on on things all around town it's very cute yeah i like i like to i don't know just do a do a casual befuddlement very cute uh simon is there anything fun you Mm -hmm. have discovered recently 
not fun, but while we were talking about doing stuff and money, I was thinking about, now bear with me, because this is about the most boring thing in the world, but accounting software called Wave. Um, <laughs> and the reason I thought about it is because, uh, you know, reflecting on my uh, job, which is doing admin all day, we have accounting software that we use that confounds me, A, and is B, very expensive. And we're kind of beholden uh. to it because we work with people who rely on it. Um, but I have so many friends who are freelancing, especially in lockdown time, um, and who ask me, like, you know, how do you – simple things. How do you make an invoice? Like, mm-hmm. what do you use for that? Um, how, do you, how do you track who's paid invoices, et cetera? Um, and there's this really cool piece of software called Wave. Uh, the website is waveapps.com. And the reason I love it is because it's free and they're really passionate. Well, this is what they purport to be on their website. Very passionate about um, making it easy for you to get a business up and running without it costing you a shit ton of money. Mm. And so whereas you will pay, you know, $50 a month or whatever it is for the, in inverted commas, beautiful accounting software that hurts your brain, um, Waves is free and I haven't used it very much, but in my limited experience is even more beautiful and more functional and handier than most of the things you will end up paying for. Um, so I don't know what the catch is. I assume there is some way they upsell you at some point or make money or I, I honestly don't know. Um, but whether you're like a freelance graphic designer or starting up a small business with friends or whatever it is that you need to invoice and track cash flow and keep books for, mm-hmm. um, it's actually incredible to me that Wave is free and doesn't charge you anything to do all of these things. It's, it's such a solid recommendation. I have been using Wave as for my freelancing for must, oh, yeah? must be going on like eight years now, and it's been consistently great. Um, I, I know that they do have a paid thing, and I think, if I'm not wrong, that now what they do is if you want to process payments through Wave, you have to pay for it. Uh-huh. And I think... I don't know that they have automatic account linking anymore. I think they maybe took that out at some point. You mean like linking your bank account so that yeah. all your transactions automatically come into it? But like fair enough because that costs them money. So exactly. I'd be willing to pay them over. But I, I love that you can get up and running for free and you can send out invoices and you can know what's going on and you can do so because, you know, your business doesn't make money when it started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Inherently. And, yeah. and, and one of the first things a lot of small businesses do is sign up for a bunch of services that cost them a bunch of money before they're Mm. making any. Mm. Uh, Anyway, if you need accounting software, Wave is pretty great. It's also definitely the best looking and easiest to to use. Yeah, solid recommendation. Mm. Hells yeah. Mm. All right, Sammy. That was fun. I'm going to go back to uh, frantically refreshing uh, (laughs) election results because that's healthy for my brain. I'm going to go back to ignoring it and pretending that America doesn't exist. Uh, one of us has a much better strategy than the other, and it's not me.